And you know, I can truthfully tell you that as your pastor, that is my prayer, that we'll all be together in heaven. I hope that none of us will be missing. And again, that's not a judgmental statement. But the Lord knows our hearts. We know our hearts. Either we know him or we don't. May God help us all to know his son. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these who faithfully come to your church to hear the word of God and to worship and to fellowship and to pray and to sing. And God, we pray that this will never, ever be wasted time. We pray that this will never be a time in which we gather to promote ourselves or to brag or pat ourselves on the back. But God, this time would be given completely and totally and wholly to you, Father, as a time in which you can speak to our hearts. And Lord, today I pray that as we open the word, as we hear again about the early church, as it began to go out and spread the gospel, how you blessed it, how you empowered it, how you directed. Lord, today I pray that you'll revive us. Lord, not only our church, but it seems throughout Christianity, there's so much discouragement, Father. The task is so great, it seems that there's no way that we could do what we need to do, even in this community, to help people know about Jesus. But, Father, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and our weaknesses And, Lord, help us to look to the King of kings and Lord of lords whose power is infinite and eternal and without limit. And, Father, help us to yield ourselves as a church and as individuals to you so that you can work in and through us to win the world to yourself. Father, bless us in these moments, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read again Acts chapter 4, verses 20, uh, verse 1 through 21. And last week, we just got started on this, and we actually aren't going to get into these verses. Now, I did a, a, a brief overlook when we read the scriptures last week, but I hope you've been reading these first couple of chapters in Acts. They are absolutely powerful chapters. But just listen as I read these verses. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And it's they, and this is, um, this is James and John, excuse me, Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them annoyed because they were preaching, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody into the mar, for it was already evening. Now, let me stop just a second. I meant to say, in case you weren't here last Sunday, you remember what had happened in chapter 3? Peter and John and others had gone into the temple, and there was a man that had been lame since birth, and every day he was brought down to the temple to beg for alms. This was the way that he took care of himself and provided for himself, and as Peter and John came into the temple. He asked them for alms, and they said, Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And he did. It started an uproar, and that's where we're at. Okay, forgive me for not bringing that up. Okay, verse 4. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Is this not phenomenal? On the morrow, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. 
And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing well before you. They gave all the credit to the risen Lord. Verse 11, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they wondered and they recognized. This is a part I love. They recognized they'd been with who? With Jesus. The people know when we leave this place, we spent some time with the Lord this morning. But seeing the man that had been healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is manifest to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. The best proof that Jesus Christ is alive and risen and in our hearts is by the way that we live. Amen? No one can deny that. But in order that it may spread no farther among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, so they call them, charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they have further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all men praised God for what had happened. Last Sunday morning, as we began this new church year, we asked several questions. Folks, what is going to happen this year? We don't know. Is our church going to make a difference in this community? We don't know, but folks, I want to tell you, I truly believe that if we stay in God's will, that you and I as individual Christians, and most especially as a church, will make a difference in this community and in this world. Folks, we're living in a time in which I believe many churches are downtrodden, depressed, discouraged, and even frustrated. And I'm not going to go through that spill from last week, but you remember one of the things that I mentioned was an article that said that basically one-third of the world professes faith in Jesus Christ and the other two-thirds doesn't. And the group that is growing, it seems, as much as any right now is the agnostics and atheists who say that they either don't know about God or they don't believe in him at all and folks what are we going to do as a church and as christians and that's where i want to begin today what should you and i do as christians and as a church and folks i want to tell you the book of acts would remind us we need to believe in the power of the spirit of god god is still mightily at work in people and in churches who are surrendered and obedient to the spirit of god and i hope we believe that I hope we believe that the same Holy Spirit that spoke through John and Peter and spoke through the early church and enabled Peter and John to give healing to this lame man will work in us if we surrender ourselves in obedience to him. And folks, we not only need to make this surrender, but then we need to get to work in the kingdom of God. 
Folks, listen, God is not finished working in our world, in this community, in our lives, and in our church. Can I have an amen? We need to believe that. Folks, we're just treading water. We're just come spending a couple hours at church if we don't really believe this. And let me just point some scriptures out. Is God finished in the world? Absolutely not. Listen to this. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the what? The world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. God has left the church in the world to lead the world to himself. God wants to use us. You might be saying, well, look, I I just live in Person County. I'm not going to another part of the world. I'm not either. But, folks, let me tell you something. Through our gifts to missions, through our prayers for missionaries, God is using all these things to lead people to Christ. Folks, how about in our lives? Does God want to work in my life and your life? You know the answer to this before me me telling you. Yes, he does. Two of my favorite verses are Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 25. And if you have it highlighted and marked these in your Bible, please do it. Listen to these two verses. Now to him who by the power. Now think about this for just a second. What is this power? Who is this power? The Holy Spirit that we've been reading about in Acts chapter 4. Now to him who by the power at work where? Within us. Underscore that. Where's this power at? It is in us as Christians. Folks, it's already there. Whether we're being obedient to that power and surrendered to that power is up to us. But the power is already there. The power is already there for you and I to serve as powerful witnesses in this community. The power is already within us for us to lead others to a saving faith in Christ. The power is already within us to teach Sunday school classes and Bible studies and to lead people in many ways to come to Christ Jesus. The power, and please hear this in a humble way, the power is already in me to preach powerful sermons if I am obedient to the Spirit of God. The power is already in this church to stand tall for Christ if we surrender to it. And Paul says this, listen, the power within us is able to do what? Far more, far more abundantly than we ask or think. Folks, God wants to do more in us than we can imagine. And and it's not just our church, and it's not just you and me. That's the way God operates. God can do more than we could ever imagine, we could ever ask in prayer. And then Paul says in verse 21, To him be glory in the church. The glory goes to the Lord and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Christianity is not something that was relevant 2,000 years ago, but it is something that is relevant even today because men are still lost in sin and there's still only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. How about our church? Does God want to work in our church? I, I love that passage of Scripture too out of Matthew chapter chapter. Um, I'm going to get ahead of myself in just a minute, and I already am in my notes. Let me, Matthew 16, 16 to 18. Folks, listen to this. And you know, you know that Jesus has asked the disciples whom the men say that I am. And and Simon Peter responds now, and this is given to him by the Father in heaven. Listen to what he says. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Next frame. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now think about it. 
He's not building his church on Peter, but he's building his church on Peter's confession that Jesus is who? The Christ, the Son of the living God. And listen to what Jesus says. And the powers of death, and the King James, I love this, the powers of hell shall not prevail against the church. Do you and I realize, and we do, I get as discouraged, I'm sure, as anybody who comes to this church. And I, there are many days I just want to give up and quit, and especially on Monday morning when I think we've got to go all through this again, got to prepare another sermon, another Bible study. I ought to be joyful that God has given me the privilege and opportunity to spend the time in the Word of God. Folks, I want to tell you, Satan and all of hell's forces shall not stop the church of Jesus Christ. Folks, if that were not true, the church would have been stopped back when, when the people of Christ were being killed. When John and Peter were being threatened and beaten, don't you say another word about Jesus Christ. Did you notice in this passage of Scripture, they charged them. And folks, a charge was a solemn thing. You remember Jesus charged his disciples. He just commissioned them, go ye into all the world. Satan's hosts are saying, sit down, shut up, and be quiet, or we'll beat you or put you in prison. Folks, God wants to use our church. He wants to use our lives. Folks, what would happen in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world if today we made three commitments? And I want to list, I want to tell you these three first, and then I want to take some time to, to, to talk about them. Number one, if we made a commitment to give this year to God. Now, we're already 13 days into this year, I know that, but what if we, as Christians and as a church, made a commitment to give this year to God, January 1st through December the 31st, God, this year, I want to commit it to you. And secondly, if we made a commitment to serve God this year, and thirdly, if we made a commitment to be a witness for our Lord this year. Let's go back and think about this. Make a commitment to give this year to God. Folks, there is a verse that I believe you and I just need to look at one more time. We've looked at it often, 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. This is the last verse in the second epistle of Peter. It's thought that perhaps these were the only two letters that, that, that Peter might have written to the church. And this is the last thing he had to say. Now, again, folks, remember, this is coming from a changed man, a crusty old fisherman who became a man filled with the Spirit of God. And as he, I think, is probably approaching death in his last days, this is what he encourages the church. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let me read that verse to you out of the Living Bible. But grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And folks, let me point something out. The verb tense, and again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it is a present and perfect, which means to be continually in action. And Peter's saying here to the church, be continually growing. Make your life a lifelong continuation of a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you something. On January the 1st, was that our plan? Was that top priority in our life that this year we're going to learn about Jesus Christ more and more? We're going to walk closer to him. We're going to get to know him better and better. 
But folks, we're scared to do that, aren't we? We're scared of failure. We're scared that some trial or tribulation might come along and we might falter and fail. Peter knew what it meant to fail, but he also knew what it meant to get back up as the hand of Jesus Christ pulled him up. And you and I can find out about that too. But folks, it's interesting that he says, grow what? In grace. You and I know that grace is what? Another word for the unmerited favor and love of God. Grow in the grace, the love and unmerited favor of God. But then he says, in the knowledge. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, it's not just a head knowledge. It is a day-to-day I love the word extensional. I couldn't say that for years. I'm not trying to impress you. I heard that word in college, and I finally found out what it meant. It's in day-to-day living, experiencing something. And I thought, well, why didn't they say that instead of existential? Here's my point. On a day-to-day basis, are you and I getting to know Jesus Christ better? Let me tell you five ways that I believe you and I can get to know him better day by day this coming year. Number one, personal Bible study. Listen to this verse in Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's said by someone hundreds of years before Christ came to this earth. And he's saying that as he studied and read and meditated upon the Word of God, guess what? The Word of God became a form of illumination to to their life. Now, folks, I I know what you're going to say. Well, I can't understand the Bible. Let me ask you, if you take time before you begin to read the Bible and say, Lord, look, would you help me understand this? I'm going to tell you, there's some things in the Bible you're not going to understand. I sure don't understand. You notice there's a lot of things I don't preach on, don't I? A lot of books that I don't preach out of because I don't know that much about it. I want to preach out of the book of Daniel, but I don't understand the book of Daniel. I understand about the man Daniel, but all those prophecies, I don't understand them. But folks, I tell you one thing I do understand is that that man Jesus died on the cross for me and for you and for everybody in the world. And folks, I can understand that and I can begin there and I can begin to build knowledge from the word of God about this savior and I can experience him on a day-to-day basis in Bible study how about through personal prayer Luke 18 1 and this again has gotten to be one of the most encouraging verses to me and Jesus is here beginning a parable and he says he began he and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart folks There's something important here. Jesus is saying that discouragement will come. Satan is going to use discouragement in a believer's life to silence us. I don't remember who this was. It was somebody outside of our church, and they were saying that that their adult child went to a church, and the minister said that he didn't know if he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or not. And, and the person said they were discouraged. They were discouraged in going to a church because it seemed as if, if the minister doesn't know what he's talking about, well, then how can anybody else? He's supposed to know. Folks, Satan will use doubts and discouragement 
to get you and I to just shut up about the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us might be there right now. But let me tell you how you fight discouragement. The greatest tool against discouragement in our spiritual life is prayer. If you're discouraged about something in your life, begin to pray about it. If you're discouraged about something at the church, begin to pray about it. And listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray constantly. One Bible scholar says that that means constantly reoccurring prayer. It doesn't mean that you and I are going to stay awake at night and we're going to pray 24-7. We can't do that. We physically cannot do that. But it means that you and I begin a life of praying as often as we feel the need. And it's not seasonal prayer. Folks, listen, how many of us just wait until there's some crisis and we say, God, you've got to help us out? I'm guilty. I know what I'm talking about. God's just like a 911 call. God, I can't handle this myself. How about send a spiritual ambulance and help me out? Pick me up. When in reality, there is the opportunity for us to pray every single day. A third thing is personal worship. Worship is more than 60 minutes or a couple of hours a week at church. Thank you for coming today, but there must be more in our spiritual lives than this. This wasn't in a note, but at the the 11 o'clock service last week, I made this statement, not because I made it, but because I just want to say it again. You and I would not go to the Golden Corral and eat at the buffet bar on Sunday morning and then not eat the rest of the week, would we? We'd starve to death, wouldn't we? Regardless of how much we ate on Sunday at the Golden Corral. And folks, sometimes we treat church like that. We're going to get everything about our spiritual life. We're going to get all of our spiritual nourishment. We're going to do all of our spiritual growth on Sunday morning at church after the preacher has a good sermon, and we hope that he will. Folks, we cannot neglect personal worship. It's not structured like we do here, but it's a time that we spend alone with God. And truly, it might be on the golf course. Yes, it might. It might be sitting in our house in the recliner when everybody else is gone to bed or before everybody else gets up, and we're sitting there with the Word of God. We don't have to read 100 pages. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm trying to get us to quit making excuses and just spend some time with God. Personal worship with Him. A fourth thing, personal dedication to the Lordship of Christ. This is something that we really need to check in our own hearts and lives. Do we have any gods? So I don't have any statues at my house. But yet, folks, a god is anything that removes Jesus from the throne of our heart. Who did we serve this past year? Was it self? Was it our own self-gratification or glorification? Was it selfishness or personal greed? What gods do we have in our life? And those things need to be removed if we're going to faithfully serve God this year. And how about faithful obedience, personal obedience? Look at John chapter 14, verse 21, and I missed a couple of frames there. Thank you, friend. Listen to what Jesus says. He who has my commandments and what keeps them. You know, a lot of times we say, well, Lord really won't mind if I don't obey that commandment. Well, what do you think? And there's so many Christians, including myself, that get sucked into personal sin, and we think, well, it'd be okay with the Lord. He knows I'm weak and I'm human. And there's a lot of other things that I'm doing for him. 
But folks, is that personal sin that we're deeply committed to and involved in, is it pulling us from personal obedience to God? And without mentioning verses, especially in the Old Testament, there was a promise from God that as you obey me, I bless you. And as you disobey me, you bring judgment upon yourself. You know that? I'm getting worried about our country. I don't mean to make this political, but this country is headed toward God's judgment if we're not very careful. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist or a Bible scholar to figure that out. There's going to be a point where God says, I am just tired of this. You want to be a Christian nation? Then obey me. You want to be my church living in a community? Obey me. If you love me, obey me. That's the words of Jesus Christ. I'm running out of time, but here's what I wanted to get to this morning, okay? This past week in, in one of my devotionals, I read this, this statement. And I don't know who Danny Wood is, but in the devotional, he's a, he's a pastor down in Georgia, but he wrote the devotion for that day. And as I read this, I thought about how it spoke to my heart, and I pray to speak to yours. Listen to this. Remember that God must work in you before he can work through you. Now, again, I want to ask you something. How much do you want God to do through you this year? How much do we want God to do through this church? We need to wake up and hear what the Word of God says. If we want God to work through us, first of all, he has got to work where? In us. Before his work can begin to be done in our lives and in this church, we've got to let him work in us first. And that's where the personal Bible study, the personal prayer time, the personal worship, the personal dedication to the Lordship of Christ, and personal obedience must come in. And I'll point these two scriptures out, and I'll close, okay? Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 42. After Peter preaches, 3,000 souls were added to the church. This Acts chapter 2 is on the day of Pentecost. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. But now listen, everybody just didn't go home and say, man, what a great service we had. Thousands were saved. See you next week. Listen to what happened. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And at that particular point, you know what that meant? They were talking about the life, the ministry, the death and resurrection of Christ. You and I had all of that recorded in the Word of God, correct? That's one of the reasons we need to get back into this book, okay? Secondly, they had fellowship. They loved each other. And let me tell you something. I, 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 really, I really feel that there's a tremendous amount of love between the members of this church, and I am so grateful to God for that. I would not have been up here for this long if you didn't love me and I didn't love you. I know that. And I do not take your love for granted. Thank you very much. But those folks loved each other. What did Jesus say will be one of the greatest demonstrations that we're his followers? By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. So they devoted themselves to learning about the Lord, to sharing love with each other, to the breaking of bread. Folks, many Bible scholars think that was the Lord's Supper. But folks, it's more than taking the Lord's Supper. It was simply you know, being obedient to what God told them to do. And look at the last thing. And the prayers. 
that early church that began roughly with 120 people were people of prayer. And God's power began to work. And God blessed them. Folks, listen. Would you go back, friend, to that state? There we go. Remember that God must work in you before he can work through you. Folks, before we can give this year to God, we've got to say, God, I want you to work in me so that you can work through me. And that's my prayer for me and for you, and it's my prayer for Theresa Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord God, I pray that you have spoken in these moments. Lord, I pray that we won't just give you an hour on Sunday or two hours on Sunday or how, many, how, many, how long we stay here. But, Father, I pray we'll give this whole year to you. And, Lord, I pray that we'll give ourselves to you. And I pray that we'll let you do a work in us so that you can do a work through us. Lord, we don't know what this year holds. We don't know the crisis that our church might face. We don't know what might seem to discourage us and try and fracture us and divide us up and bust us up. But, Father, we want to be found faithful to you. As the Spirit of God fell upon those early believers, Lord, I pray that we will allow the Spirit of God to fall upon us. Put a new fire in our hearts that we'll want to serve you. Bring revival, Lord, to your church. And in all that is done, may you be given the honor and the glory. And may we allow you to be the Lord of our lives and the Lord of this church. In Jesus' name.